0: Team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: It is Monday, September 12th. We're talking Brewers baseball today with our Brewers reporter, Adam McKelvey. Adam, thank you for joining us as always. And uh, going back to Sunday, Adam, nice win for the crew over a Cardinals team that's obviously uh, scratching and clawing for every win they can get. They're fighting for a wild card spot. Milwaukee, obviously not, but they do salvage a split of the four-game series. And this is a question I posed to your esteemed colleague, uh, Mark Sheldon, of the Reds last week because the Reds in a similar position as this uh, Milwaukee team. But do the players in the clubhouse kind of embrace the spoiler role in the, you know these last couple of weeks of the season nearly as much as you know the, the fans and the media like to think that they do?
2: I don't think so. I know for the fans it's a big thing, and that's especially true of the St. Louis Cardinals because of the thorn that they have been in the Brewers' side since those teams met in the 2000 NL- 2011 NLCS. It's been very one-sided for the Cardinals, and that is very irritating, I know, to a lot of the fans. So splitting that series and uh, you know dealing them a, a sort of significant loss on Sunday with the Giants and the Mets and the Cardinals vying for that, those two wild card spots. Uh, that, that was a, uh, I think, a satisfying. And if you're a Brewers fan, I don't think the players register that as much. They're just happy lately that this is a team playing better baseball as we speak. They've won eight of eleven, and all eight of those victories are against the Cardinals, Cubs, and Pirates. So I, I don't know they're happy about that because it's a spoiler situation. I think they're just happy to rack up a couple of wins.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and when those wins come within your division against the teams, you know that are either going to be locked for the playoffs, as the Cubs are, or battling for a playoff spot, as the Pirates and Cardinals are, those uh, wins take on a lot more meaning. And Adam, if uh, if Zach Davies could pitch every fifth day against the Cardinals, he'd be the runaway winner of the NL Cy Young. He was lights out again against St. Louis on Sunday for the year. Three starts against St. Louis, one six six ERA. 25 Ks, uh, just under 22 innings. The numbers are tremendous and of course, as we all know, this Cardinals team has just been scoring runs and hitting home runs like crazy all season long. So when you watch Davies against St. Louis, in what ways is he succeeding against this very heavy hitting lineup that maybe some other pitchers are not?
2: Well, the, the, what stands out is that Davies has that great changeup and you know it's the best changeup on the team. So if I had to guess what it is, I would say it's that pitch and Colton Wong the Cardinals really uh, heaped a lot of praise on Zach Davies outing yesterday and said the Cardinals all day were just uncomfortable at the plate. And that's what Zach Davies does when he locates early and can pinpoint his fastball that change up. Uh, and, and even his curveball is a good pitch. So those become really dangerous offerings, And it's a very uncomfortable at bat for a hitter when he's doing those things. And I think that's the simple answer. It, you know, Davies and Kyle Hendricks the, the Cubs right-hander, are, are really interesting this year. Guys having good seasons in an era where it's 95, 96, 97, 98 from so many starting pitchers. These guys are doing it more, these uh, great changeups, And um, they, they matched up at Miller Park a couple weeks ago, and Davey said he took kind of a particular joy out of that outing because it proved that, you know, you don't have to put, throw gas to get out in the big leagues.
1: Absolutely. You know, location, 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 as, you know, the saying goes, whether it's uh, pitching or real estate, you know, it's obviously a significant factor uh, in succeeding in both those areas. And, you know, I'm not saying either one of these guys is Greg Maddox or anything even close, but for years. We saw Greg Maddox succeed without throwing 95 and getting guys out on letter-high fastballs. You know, he was so pinpoint with his location and his stuff and his smarts. And the guy won what four Cy Youngs in a row or something. He's a Hall of Famer, so he does set the precedent for succeeding in the big leagues without having, you know, like I said, a 95, 97 mile per hour fastball. Uh, Adam, in your post-game write-up uh, after yesterday's win. You, you kind of wrote how blown saves don't get much more unfair than the one hung upon Tyler Thornburg uh, on Sunday. The poor guy comes into the game, the tying run at third, only one away, gives up a sack, flies, so boom, there's the blown save. But then he turns around and pitches a lights out till uh, one two three Ninth ends up getting the win, and I would think that uh, if this was not the most dominant outing by Thornburg uh, as the closer since Jeffers got traded, it has to be pretty close.
2: Yeah, uh, Craig Council said it was wowing, and that was a really good way to describe it. He went through the Cardinals' three best home run hitters uh, on 12 pitches and struck them all out. So uh, he is on a really, really good role for this Brewers team. I mean, by, by talking about it, I'll surely jinx it. But as we speak, he's retired 33 straight right-handed hitters. Wow! And he, you know, we've seen that in his career a couple of times now, where he's capable of these long stretches of retiring hitters in a row. He had one. Uh, when he first really uh, secured a relief role for this Brewers team in 2014 early, where he had this long run into the 30s of consecutive batters' retired period, and then he had another one of those this season. He's got a couple of the longest streaks in Brewers history, so he's, he's capable of going on really good runs, and he is certainly on one right now uh, for the Brewers. I am very intrigued to see how David Stearns handled him in the off season because he saw it at the end of July the incredible, insane price that teams played, paid for relief, uh, and you start looking at Tyler farmer's numbers and you think, you know, this is a guy who could really secure you some good prospects in return. On the other hand, you have to, you have, to have some guys on your team <laughs> who are capable of getting out, especially laid out. And th- that can help the development of your other players when you win a couple of games here and there. So I think there's a decision to be made with him as they go into the offseason about uh, you know, what do you do? Do you keep him and have him closed or do you see what you can get for
1: him? Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough call because, you know, like you said, it's easy to, to salivate over the prospect of, well, we can get this guy, this guy, and this guy if we deal him on the, the open market. Or at the same time, you do need somebody in that bullpen who can get those important outs. And Thornburg right now is that guy. Interesting decision for David Stearns coming up in the offseason. And uh, Adam, something you tipped me off to uh, before we kind of hit the airwaves here is that the Brewers on their way to setting the all-time Major League record, I believe, for – well, I'm sorry, uh, they're on the way to setting a franchise record, correct, for uh, strikeouts in a season, and uh, Chris Carter is also on his way towards an individual record, and – you know, you kind of brought up, this has been a debate uh, in recent years, especially, you know, are strikeouts a bad thing? I think maybe 20 years ago, they were really frowned upon. But now, when you've got guys like, you know, say Mike Trout, who's a perennial MVP candidate, the guy whiffs 150 times a year, and nobody cares. So where do you kind of fall on, on this uh, debate here? Well,
2: you, you had it right the first time, by the way. The okay. Brewers have been <laughs> flirting lately with a pace for the all-time okay. major league strikeout record. Uh, they also... Are a really patient team. They're one of baseball's most patient teams, which I think you, a lot of people would consider a good thing. And it's sort of a product of that patience that they're in a lot of two strike counts and they're striking out a lot. They're getting called out on strikes a lot. And I was debating with Chris Carter uh, how many of those are actually strikes. They feel like that zone gets expanded sometimes, and they're getting called out on pitches that they, if they did it again, they would take again. So that's kind of an interesting thing. The Brewers have been falling off that pace a little bit lately, but they're certainly there within uh, striking distance. And Chris Carter, as we speak with, I think it's 19 games left in the season, um, he's already got the fifth most strikeouts in Brewers history. So I I asked him, you know, does that bother you? And I I sort of expected him to say no. He's got 33 homers. He's he's got a good on-base percentage. He's having a really productive season for this team. Um, but he, said, uh, he actually surprised me by saying strikeouts do bother him. He hates walking back to the dugout after a strikeout, and he doesn't view it as just a product of his overall offensive game. Um, and, and that kind of surprised me. I thought he might have the outlook of, you know, look, to get this production, to get these homers, there's going to be strikeouts that come with it. But that's something that he is continually working on. There was a point early in the season where you and I, Matt, were talking about how much contact he was making, how he was going the other way with the baseball so much. He says that it was, it's been an adjustment, that pitchers saw him taking those outside pitches away way and making contact, and they've changed the way they pitched to him, and he's having a hard time finding the, the way to adjust back. So it's, um, it's kind of an interesting thing to watch for this team down the stretch. And uh, you know it's not certainly not a franchise record you want to set, but no. but they're uh, they're flirting with
1: it. Yeah, they they certainly are, and that's very interesting that Chris Carter had that reaction because I think you know there's some other guys that are of his ilk, and the one guy that comes to my mind is Mike Napoli. He's got 30 plus home runs, he strikes out a ton, and I don't think he cares. You know, so I think his attitude is different than Chris Carter's, where it does bother him so we'll see what the Brewers uh, do in terms of the whiffs here in the final uh, 19 games of the regular season. Uh, Adam, to wrap up here, of course, uh, Sunday was the 15th anniversary of the tragic events of uh, 9-11, and going back to 2001, the World Series that year, Craig Council, the current skipper of the team, played for the Arizona Diamondbacks in the 2001 Fall Classic against the uh, New York Yankees. You interviewed him about that, uh, what I have to think, was a rather surreal experience. Uh, Share some of that with us.
2: Well, yeah, we, we were asking him about 9-11, and of course, his memory is not of that date itself. It was about that really epic series between the D-backs and the Yankees. Those games in New York, all decided by one run, games three, four, five, the last two in extra innings with young, young Kim on the mound. And uh, the series di- dipping into November because of uh, baseball being pushed back after 9-11. It was uh, very interesting. Craig Council said what he remembers is the weight pressing down on New York City during that time. Um, and that really stood out to him. And, and it was also, I felt really cool that he said, you know, he's on the other team. They're trying to win a championship. And he said they New York for those three games. And it felt like uh, New York was supposed to win those games. It's kind of cool for him to say as a guy on the other side. Now, of course, he said that with the hindsight of knowing that the Diamondbacks came back and won six and seven and won the World Series on their home turf. So maybe that changes his outlook on that a little bit. But he says it was a very significant uh, memory for him, one forget. And, and just to, to a plug for baseball, if anyone has not yet seen Nine Innings from Ground Zero, which is a documentary about that World Series and the aftermath of the 9-11 attack in New York City, it is an absolute must-see, very worth your time, uh, really a, a, a touching tribute and You know, it kind of makes the case that baseball helped, uh, you know, provide a diversion for people during that time. The horror down in uh, lower Manhattan was offset a little bit by some of the joy up in the Bronx. And uh, council sort of agreed uh, with the theory that baseball played a role in the city beginning to heal from what was a really awful event.
1: Yeah, I've heard wonderful things about that documentary that you just mentioned. That is certainly on my to-do list, and uh, I'm going to pu- pu- push that up the list now that here I'm hearing your endorsement of it. And you certainly share uh, share the same feelings about that with many other people about uh, that particular documentary. And uh, Craig Council, uh, great for him to share his feelings about that entire experience uh, 15 years ago, uh, Adam. Our pleasure, as always. We'll do it again next week with our Brewers reporter, Adam McKelvey. Thanks, as always, for the time. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers.